one of the most important instructions or I could say uh, foundational instructions, most supportive instructions we can give in meditation is to bring a sense of ease into our practice. And so it can be helpful to take a a few moments as you settle in to check in, bring your awareness into your body and just a general sense connecting with, you may have some specific experiences or maybe just a general sense of sitting here. Notice if there's any places of tension, tightness, holding in some way. And if so, see if you can uh, relax around it. You may want to shift or move a little if that's helpful for uh, settling in. Hopefully finding a a meditation posture in which you can be alert, but finding ease in the body. And that's, you know, we do the best we can. Sometimes um, our bodies don't let us uh, uh, relax that much, and so we, we do the best we can with it. And also perhaps checking in with states of your mind and heart So your whole experience of being here in your sitting posture. And just as with the body, if there's there's something going on uh, in your mind, some emotions, if there's some tension, stress, anything, you know, connecting with what's happening, noticing not only the experience, but how are you being with that experience? And again, if there's any kind of tension or tightness, see if you can relax around it. Don't make a struggle uh, to not struggle, but just the best you can with a sense of ease. And then when you're ready, um, in a really um, respectful and gentle way, not forcing but with a sense of allowing, allow the experience of your breathing to be in the foreground of your awareness. And of course there are always many, many other experiences going on, other experiences in your body, sounds, moods, thoughts, emotions, feelings. Without shoving or pushing anything away, see if you can allow those experiences, they will be there, but allow them to be in the background. And it's a sense of giving some predominance or you could say preference to the experience of your breathing. Finding the place in your body where you can experience or you can feel the physical sensations of your breathing the clearest and the easiest. And so I'll just name a few spots if you're new. Uh, and if you're not sure, you can, ex- oftentimes we, we, we are, it's obvious to us how to connect, where to connect with our breathing the best. But if you're not sure, you, you may need to do some experimentation. You could place your awareness at the area of your nose, in which case you're feeling the, the coolness of the air in and out with each breath. That could be near the, the the very tip or just inside the entrance to the nostrils. And it could also be deeper inside, further in uh, the nasal passages. 
let, let it reveal itself to you in the way that's most natural and clear and easy. For some people, the best place is to connect with their breathing in the abdomen, uh, the belly. <clears throat> and in this case, you're not feeling air, but it's the physical movement of your body. It's like a balloon that expands and contracts with each in and out breath. It's a rising and falling of the belly. So you would rest your attention with that physical movement. For some people, it could be the chest, in which case it may be a feeling of air or it may be the physical movement or, or maybe both of those experiences are there. And also you could experiment with what's called whole body breathing. Whole body breathing does not literally mean your whole body. You're, you're not bringing the arms and legs in, <clears throat> but you're widening the lens of your awareness to take in. You're not as narrowly focused to take in a broader area of, what, of the parts of the body that are involved in breathing. And you don't have to feel all the parts, but for example, it may be that as you open up, you, you experience from the belly and all the way up through the solar plexus and through the torso area. Could be the nose, through the throat, down into the chest. See how it is for you. Connecting with your breathing at any of these places, in any of these ways, can take you to the deeper, deepest stages in concentration, opening up into insight. What's important is to find your own, what works best for you. minds, of course, will have times when they wander away and we forget to be with the breath. And just keep it simple. Um, when you've wandered away and you've forgotten, don't make a problem. Actually, you don't even know you're lost until you wake up and you're already back. And then you remember. And then you just, in a simple way, come back. Don't, don't beat yourself up or make a problem. And just starting again and again. And so even if you're um, lost in thought almost the whole time. It can only be present for a few breaths before you're off again. That's fully enough and it's fully doing the practice. I'll offer one last piece for this uh, sitting. Um, <clears throat> if you wish, you can experiment with what's called mental noting and see if that helps you stay connected with your breathing. Mental noting entails mentally repeating words in co coordination with your breath to help your, uh, your mind stay connected. So at the nose, you could just repeat mentally with each breath, in, out. At the belly, it might be rising, falling. Exact words aren't important. You could just repeat breathing, breathing. If that helps you, most of your attention stays with the actual experience of your breathing, but if that helps, try it. If, it, if it's too much or it's not working, you don't like it, just forget that and just stay with the bare experience of your breathing. Easeful and relaxed. <clears throat> but bringing a sense of, of alertness.
want to remind you of something that Gil talked about last night, uh, which, uh, especially if you're newer to retreats, to know that <clears throat> for many people, especially the first day, first couple, sometimes maybe first couple of days, can be um, times of a lot of sleepiness or dullness of mind, or the opposite, you can have a lot of restlessness and it's hard to settle. Bodies can hurt. Also, a lot of emotional stuff can come up. All of, you know, your all your stuff can come roaring up, and it's not for everyone, but certainly it's quite common. And so, if any of these things are happening, um, you know, again, try your best not to fall into struggles. It's not so easy, right? If if we're dealing with all these difficulties, and precisely at the time when we can really use the support of the steadiness of mind and all and, and the clarity and all the qualities that we're working to cultivate oftentimes in the beginning stages of a retreat we don't have that to support us so we have to meet it and work with it without those supports and so um, just to know that if that's happening um, uh, and the best you can see if you can uh, not fall into struggles, but um, just keeping up the continuity of practice the best you can, but try to have, uh, um, uh, let go around it the best you can, and just do your best. And then one other thing that's very supportive is, you know, we one of the real powers of the retreat, there's a lot of powers, the support, the silence, but also the continuity is a tremendous power on retreat. Um, it builds up a real momentum of both the settling of the mind that can happen. We call that the concentration, the steadiness, and also the brightening or, or clarity of awareness and the mindfulness. And so, um, uh, you, know, uh, you know, we have this schedule of sitting and walking and um, hopefully not to have an attitude of feeling oppressed by it or like a grim determination but more a sense of, and you can feel that way, like it's easy to sit, walk, sit, walk when you want to. But, you know, what do we do when you don't want to, right? Well, the answer is you sit, walk, sit, walk. <laughs> but hopefully to bring an attitude where you don't feel oppressed by the schedule, but we, it's more of, a, of seeing the opportunity and in and, and a real loving, kind way, giving yourself over to it. And then, if and as an experiment to see, well, what, what might be possible? What can happen? So to hold it more in that attitude, and it doesn't mean that you know during the walking period you don't have to go to the bathroom or get your tea or whatever. But at some point, because it can be easy to blow off the walking, right? And so, yes, you want to listen to your needs and take care of yourself. Um, and so that's the balance of you know um, if you just really need a nap. And that's what your body's telling you, you know, that might be what you need to do, sure. But uh, also really letting the, giving yourself over to see, you know, what, what right might be possible, but holding it with kind of a more spacious attitude. So I just want to offer those two things. So we have uh, each morning at this time, we'll have some time if there are any questions. Um, in a few minutes, uh, Gil will give some walking meditation instructions. So we don't have the full time, but we have a few minutes if anybody has any practice questions. <clears throat> yes, please. Right. <coughs> right, 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 right. Could everyone hear? Okay. Well, that's a great question. It's not an elementary question, actually. That's a big, big question because there's many, many ways meditation is taught. And even just in our tradition, you know, if you just even come to this center with different teachers coming through, there'll be different emphasis and everything. So it's not just one way. But in general, think of it as... Um, uh, you can think of, you know, we, if we think of a goal perhaps as being uh, uh, 
realizing or actualizing or a deepening of a liberation through non-clinging and a letting, learning to, right, and find a way of being in relationship to life, to ourselves, and experience with equanimity, right, open hearts, quiet minds, and all that. Well, the question, it, it, the question would be, what will support us in that? And so the way we're teaching here is it's, you could think of it as something you're doing or a way of being, and it can take either f- feelings. But, ba- but really, in a, in a simple way, there's simply what's happening in the present moment. And yes, we're giving some techniques. Uh, if Gil doesn't tonight, then tomorrow night I'll say a little more about, about what I'm going to offer here. But there's just what's happening in the present moment and then what's a wise and skillful, helpful way of being or working with whatever's happening in the present moment. That's a real simple way to hold all of the practice. And if we, if we ha- really that could, could theoretically be all the instruction we need. But oftentimes we need more tips or more help for that. So then we give some more. So we'll say like, pick some place to rest our attention. Sometimes people will say, put your attention on, bring your attention, or just rest in the knowing of, and sometimes you'll hear language like a primary or main practice or meditation object or subject. So we've, we're using the breath here, or as, we, as Gil said, some people may be doing something else. But, uh, and that's just helping us. It's a way of being uh, to help because by working with, that br- with the breath, keep bringing in, you know, in a relaxed, easeful way, but definitely a purposeful way of coming back with the breath. It does, uh, for, for many of us, it does help the mind begin to become more steady. So we're not just jumping all over the place. We can really be present. And then through that presence, it's not just about the presence, but the, the clarity of awareness. We sometimes will use this phrase, mindfulness and the clear knowing or clear awareness of something. That, so we're trying to learn to uh, have our minds be more steady. And it doesn't mean there's nothing going on in the mind, but just a more presence, if you will. And uh, brightening the clarity of knowing and awareness. Steadying and a clear knowing. And so it's just, uh, and then that's in service of how we live. How we show up moment by moment as, as human beings. And so th- these are just techniques or practices that can support that. that that's the way I would say it. Yeah? Would you... Uh, confusion there in the popular use of the word meditate. Some people think it means to sit and think about things. Oh, oh, okay. So Gil was... Um, saying that, that there can be a misconception that meditate might mean to think about things. Yes, yes. So let me just offer this way. In two pieces. First, in general, this is mostly considered, uh, we want to be have more of a nonverbal experiential. It's not sitting thinking things through. Although, of course, things will, thoughts come and go, and sometimes we do get caught up in that. But like with the breath, we just want to more be mindfully present. Or if an emotion comes up, can we just meet it on the experiential level, not thinking about it. So I'm going to add one piece here, but I've got to, and then I'll give it over to Gil for the, uh, for the, uh, so he can do his piece. And I have to preface this by saying, I'm going to do it, but uh, um, because we tend to lean too much on thinking thinking about it, uh, but I don't think we should totally throw that out. There may be times when in order to help our mind settle down, it can be useful to step out of the, the main way that we're teaching here, which is not thinking about it. It's being with it, present with it. But we need to kind of think it through a little to unpack something or untangle some knotted place in there. So it can have a place. I think it deserves a place in the toolkit. And again, I just want to emphasize most of us will pull that tool out way, way, way more than we need to. So just to n- don't overdo it. But it doesn't mean never, ever, ever have to think anything through. Matter of fact, I would go so far as to say, I don't know, Gil might have a different take on this, but that there may be some approaches or techniques that maybe we should never try, but most of the things I can think of, anything I can think of, could potentially be useful because it's highly situationally dependent. We're all different in what's needed. And so that's just another thing that could help us. 
don't do it too much. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we'll stop there. And so uh, Gil will offer some walking instructions. And uh, before I do, any uh, now any practical questions about being here that you'd like to ask <coughs> that you've been here a night? Anything you need to know or would like to know? <coughs> it either seems pretty straightforward or no, you're by now you're trusting the whole thing. It's going to unfold as you need. I hope you feel that way. Okay, so... Um, for, especially for those of you who are new, an uh, important part of our meditation tradition is doing walking meditation. Uh, it's a practice that goes back to the ancient records of the Buddha uh, and others of his time who did walking meditation. If you go to some of the forest monasteries, you'll see that they've sometimes places they've actually built a, in, intentionally a path in the forest that um, you walk one direction, it doesn't go anywhere, dead ends, you go in the other direction, dead ends, it's just a place to walk back and forth and do walking meditation. The um, uh, On retreat, it's a, a very nice thing to do because it, the alternation between sitting practice and walking practice creates a nice balance between some of the different psychophysical factors that come into play. So very simplistically, if we sat all day, we'd get lethargic. And um, if, but if we walked all day, we'd probably get a little bit too energized. But the right balance between having a good kind of energy and a good kind of settling can happen when we go back and forth. Uh, generally for people, sitting is more settling. Generally for people, the walking is more, a little bit more energizing because it's active. But for some people, it's the opposite. And so it works to bring the balance uh, the same way, but to just the opposite qualities being activated. And there are other things also that come into balance when we go back and forth. So it's very valuable to do it, um, and sometimes, as maybe uh, Richard suggested, that uh, sometimes the walking is the place where it's easiest to kind of wander off and take a break and not do it. And if you don't do it, you don't get the benefits of it, and you don't get the benefits of that coming into balance. And it's a, a walking meditation is as valid of a meditation practice as sitting practice. Uh, and um, so we do it in a, uh, by finding a very simple path to walk in. And generally we recommend you just choose a place <coughs> that you can walk back and forth. Um, uh, if you walk, wander around to do your walking meditation, a little part of your mind has to negotiate the path, and so it's kept active. And if you walk back and forth, pretty quickly you know the route, and that part of the mind can kind of uh, be quiet. And usually it's find a place that you can walk back and forth about 20 or 30 paces back and forth. It can be shorter. Um, I've, I've walked in places like as small as your bedrooms, just back and forth, just to stay kind of by myself and walk. Um, but generally 20, 30 paces, and, or the, the, the distance across the short way in the walking meditation hall. And, um, and the idea is to just walk back and forth. And the first thing I think is nice to do is to establish a pace of walking that gives you a sense of ease as you walk. Uh, there's a ten in our tradition. Sometimes people walk very, do walking meditation very, very slowly. In the old, good old days, uh, there were day that people used to do competitive walking uh, to see who could walk the slowest. And sometimes people walk so slow, you kind of like you have to look for a while to see if they moved. And uh, competitive walking is not very useful for meditation. So you don't, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not a cooler meditator by walking slow. Um, so I think the criteria, first criteria, is to find what brings you a sense of ease as you walk back and forth. From uh, generally, it's maybe a little bit slower than a street walking pace, though sometimes it's faster. My teacher in Burma, he power walked. Uh, 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 whenever I saw him walking, he was I'd have to run to keep up with him. He's just going walking very, very fast, power walking. Um, and occasionally, I've walked very, very fast back and forth because that seemed to hold the energy or help me be present for the energy of what was going on was quite strong. So you can do that as well, but if you do that, then walk further away from people walking slow so you don't, you know, frighten them with your speed. And um, the, um, uh, but that you'll find it something that gives you a sense of ease, and that's a very personal thing, what brings you ease given the 
circumstances that you're in. And then as you uh, start walking back and forth, then uh, be aware of your whole body, uh, what it feels like for your body to be walking. So again, we're not thinking about what it's like to be walking, but feeling. It's more of a kinesthetic experience. Uh, what it's, I've known people who've imagined they were dancers and just kind of what it felt like to be in a body of someone feeling all the different movements as they walk. And then as you feel your body and get connected to a body, slowly lower your attention down into your uh, feet and your lower legs. And it's the alternating sensations of the, f- of the feet and the legs make, uh, making a step that we is the focal point of attention. Um, just like in the, bre- in the sitting meditation, uh, we're suggesting that the focal point or the center of gravity of your attention is your breathing. The center of gravity for attention in walking is the feet and legs as they walk. And there's something about the alternation of sensations, sensation that changes and alternates that can help the mind uh, kind of stay focused and attentive to it in a relaxed way. If you try to stay focused on some sensation or something which is unchanging, just like fixed, you have to, uh, the t- tendency for most people is they start straining um, to kind of keep the focus there. But the ri- to say with something that's rhythmic and alternating uh, helps with the relaxed entering into that world of being focused. And so in walking, it's the alternating sensation of the feet as they walk. And if you're walking really fast, it's mostly just feeling the sensations of the soles of the feet touching the ground, feeling what that's like. But if you walk slower, then you can, the, the instructions are to notice the f- sensations in the foot that's doing the stepping. It's doing lifting, moving, and placing. And, um, and if you're walking very slow, you might be aware of a lot of sensations for each step. If you're walking faster, it's fewer sensations per step, but maybe the same number of sensations over a minute, so just because you're just... Um, and uh, and uh, generally, I switch my attention to the back foot when I'm switching my weight. So you switch your, when you make a step, you switch your weight to the front foot, move my attention to the back foot, and, and then be aware of those sensations. And there'll be different sensations that come into play. The lifting will have a different sensation than the leg f- swinging through the air, which has a different sensation from the leg going down. Now, you don't have to you know, analyze those, not engineering feet, but uh, uh, you kind of just want to feel what that's like, sense it, savor it. Uh, I imagine that my foot... <clears throat> is a sponge for sensations. And rather than me going there to feel the sensations, I allow the sensations to get sp- absorbed into that sponge. So I just feel what's going on there as I go through. Keeping the mind quiet and relaxed. I usually keep my eyes down about 45 degrees when I do walking meditation, so I'm not so inclined to look at things around me. And I just kind of, you know, can track where I'm going to step next. If you find yourself getting really caught up in thoughts or caught up in what you see, uh, a nice thing to do is just stop in your tracks, close your eyes, and take stock. Just notice what's going on, let go, and then start again. If you're walking on the slower side of uh, this walking meditation, it's nice when you come to the end of your path to stop, turn around, stop, and then start. (coughs) And what that does is that it interrupts the continuity of thinking. It's very easy if you just kind of walk continuously and just kind of pivot around and pivot around when you go back and forth, um, to not notice that your mind has got involved in thinking. But if you uh, stop at the end of the path, those 20 steps, um, and then turn around, stop, and then start, the stopping of the walking gives you a chance to notice, oh, actually, I've been daydreaming for the last little while. And then you can start again. And the last thing I'll say, I say is about um, um, uh, if you set the goal to be mindful for every step for the whole walking period, it might be too big of a goal. And, um, and sometimes if it's easier to set the goal to try to be mindful for every step for those the 20 paces across. And then do the same thing when you go back. And to do it in small chunks like that, sometimes it's easier to get into it and stay there and stay present. So you re-establish the intention for every pass. And um, and I guess I said I was supposed to be the last thing, but finally, uh, Richard mentioned the mental noting. Some people like to do mental noting. It helps them. It's a way of giving the thinking mind something to do 
because an idle mind will get in trouble. And I, if the thinking mind doesn't have something to do, sometimes it'll start thinking about something. And um, the mental notes is a very, very rudimentary, simple thought that encourages the mind, stay right there. Stay right there with what you're noting. So with the with the stepping, it could be as simple as very softly in the mind saying, step, step. And you can interpret that as being, st just stay right there, right there, feel that. Feel that. Uh, if you're walking slow, some people do the uh, noting lifting and placing. Just feel the lifting in itself, and then feel how the f the placing afterwards is different. Or even slower, lifting, moving, placing. Uh, if the men if that noting uh, gets too active and rings loud in your mind, like it's like big thing going on. You can just stop doing it. It's supposed to be just a soft little whisper. Stay there. And it, if you're doing it, you might be less likely to wander off in thought. So hopefully that's clear. Um, and uh, I hope you enjoy the walking. For some people, it's an acquired taste. It was for me. Uh, when I was introduced to walking meditation, I did not like it. And uh, the wonderful thing is that it works even if you don't like it. Y you don't have to like it for it to work, but you have to do it. And uh, and it's acquired, it was acquired taste, and now I love it. I came to really appreciate the value of it and find it a great thing to do. So you might be like me and need to acquire the taste, and um, it's worth putting the time into for that. At the beginning of the next walking period, after the next sitting in here, uh, Richard, Richard will give instructions on meditation posture. So those of you who nev never had instructions on sitting posture, either in the chair or on the floor, you're welcome to stay at the end of that sitting, and Richard will do that. And then probably in the afternoon, at the first sitting in the afternoon, uh, uh, we'll, uh, the person who's supposed to usually sit up here, the practice leader, uh, you can still ring the bells calling people to the sitting, but um, uh, w one of the teachers will be up here, and uh, probably I'll be here and give a little bit of instructions, uh, more instructions on meditating on the breath, just to uh, keep the momentum going into the afternoon. Especially those of you who are new, it might be nice to hear a little bit more. And uh, so at the beginning of that sitting. So I hope all that's uh, clear, and uh, I wish you a wonderful day. Thank you. <coughs>